Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Wednesday, September, what is the date? 27th, 2023. Lord knows when you're listening to this. I'm going to tell you what's in the news today right now, and then I'm going to tie it. It's it's not going to be political, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to start with, but I'll get there, okay? Just follow me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be cool and calm as I do this because people say that I've been too what emotional lately. That's what people have been accusing me when I talk particularly about the immigrant issue in the city of Chicago and uh, the city's inability to deal with this thing. They say, Ben, you're too emotional. You have to calm down. So I'm really working on this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm working on calming down. My distinguished guest sitting there is nodding her head. She goes, yes, Ben, be calm. Okay, so here's the thing. The Milwaukee Bucks basketball team, yes, it's a sports-related issue, ladies and gentlemen, but follow me. Come on, lefties. You can follow me to the world of sports because you can learn from this. The Milwaukee Bucks basketball team are very happy because they traded and they acquired a man named Damian Lillard, who is a sensational basketball player. Okay, so now they have Giannis, who's the best basketball player in the world, arguably, and Damian Lillard, who's one of the top 10 in the game right now on the same team. Milwaukee Bucks. This is the sound of Milwaukee Bucks fans brains blowing up with excitement. Now. Here's the interesting part that tells you a lot about human beings and human nature. In order to acquire Damian Lillard, to pair him with Giannis, to get them so excited so their little buck brains go, they had to trade a guy named Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is himself a sensational basketball player. Drew Holiday is the reason, part of the, I would say the second only to Giannis reason that the Bucks won in 2021. Drew Holiday has professed his desire and determination to stay a Milwaukee Buck for the rest of his career because he says, I have my allegiances to Milwaukee. So how did Milwaukee repay him for his love and his allegiance and his contributions? I'll tell you what, distinguished guests and loyal lefty listeners. Here's what they did. They traded him to the Portland Trailblazers, a terrible team that's going to be mired in mediocrity. They basically rewarded Drew Holiday for his great contributions by the Bucks by taking sticking two middle fingers up in the air. And that's how they treated him. And that says, and meanwhile, Buck fans are celebrating it. You will not hear one Buck fan in America talk about, oh, they really treated Drew Holiday wrong. No, they're talking about, oh my God, we got Dame Lillard. Lillard, he's with the honest. We're going to win a championship. We don't care about Drew Holiday. That teaches you everything you need to know about human behavior, ladies and gentlemen. There is no loyalty anywhere. I'm looking for loyalty in politics. My distinguished guest is sitting there thinking, is there any loyalty in politics? I'm trying to think of one politician in the city of Chicago who's been loyal to any like cause in my lifetime. So, for instance, I'm thinking of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who campaigned. She said she was going to op- reopen the mental health clinics. Was she loyal to that pledge? No, no, no. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot was going to reform the TIF program. Did she stay loyal to that project? No, no, no. Disloyally everywhere I look, and no matter what, 
if people think they're getting a better deal, they'll jump aboard the bandwagon. They go, oh, disloyal to Drew Holiday, the guy I really believe in? Oh, Drew who? They're like Bucks fans. Drew who? Now I'm going to tell you the one instance, the one example in politics where loyalty prevails. And I happen to believe this is insane loyalty. And that's MAGA. Donald John Trump just lost another court case. This one in New York, distinguished guest. He lost in New York. A judge in New York claimed that Donald Trump's business empire is a fraud. They should immediately take that cockamamie Trump sign down off a Trump Tower right now. If there was any Democrat in the city of Chicago with any guts, they would have had that sign taken down months ago. They've allowed that sign to sit up there rubbing it in our faces for all these years. They're so afraid. Oh, I don't know. He might get mad at me. I don't know why. Ron was the one who cut the deal to let the sign go up there in the first place. If they had any, <laughs> any guts, they would have taken it down. I'm wondering... In the light of this judicial ruling, how is that sign still up there? They say the whole empire that built that tower is a fraud. So I'm really hoping that sign comes down. My point is, despite that judge's ruling, despite four distinguished guests, four indictments of Donald Trump around the country, MAGA remains loyal to Trump. They're going to follow him off a cliff. Man, I'll tell you what. Milwaukee Buck fans are nothing like MAGA. If MAGA was like Milwaukee Buck fans, they had a turn from Donald Trump years ago. So that's the one example that disproves everything I said. There's no loyal in the world. MAGA's insanity has caused them to remain loyal to this grifter, this con man, this fraud. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I tied politics and sports, and now I'll ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself so we can bring her into the discussion. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Candace Castillo, and I do not agree with Ben Javosky on this. Oh, my God. Wait, first of all, say who you are, and then we'll take uh, I'm a political director for SEIU Healthcare. I hosted a radio show on a station that I am not supposed to. I was a co-host of a radio show with our dear Mayor Brandon Johnson for five years of a radio station I am not allowed to say the name of. Um, I'm also a board member for United Working Families. Yes, there we go. All those things. I believe the name of the radio station was WC you later, Ben. Uh, all right. Um, so why don't you agree? Or what is it that I said that you don't agree with? I think... MAGA is delusionally in love with Trump because they're delusional. But I think when people are loyal to corporations, they will always be left down, let down. When people are loyal to people, including politicians, it's different. All the woman Jeanette Taylor, head of the education committee, she told y'all she would pass the Willow Housing Ordinance. Y'all got a Willow Housing Ordinance. Now, was it perfect? Was it exactly what she fought for in the beginning? No. Is she still trying to negotiate to fight to do the things in it? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. So you have to make the distinction. When somebody is loyal to the people, it might take a while, right? Frank Chapman, um... Uh, who pledged our police board. He had been working on it since the 60s, right? But he got it done because he was loyal to the people. He didn't sell out to a corporation. Now, we look at these people who, my heart's all, I just want to be a Milwaukee Buck. Please, please, please let me be a Milwaukee Buck. That's not the people in Milwaukee who made that decision. It's a corporation. It's a corporate entity. It's a business with high ticket prices and <laughs> selling stale popcorn. That's it. Eh. Uh, I can't remember. Are you in any way a sports fan? I, I actually cannot re- remember. I have a problem in life. So I watch football. I watch basketball. I I try a baseball. I am not a sports fan. But I will watch a sports documentary about almost anything. Like one of my favorite documentaries is a cricket documentary about the Caribbean cricket teams in the 1970s. Like I'll watch 
a documentary about anything. The two Escobars, I've seen almost every 30 for 30. Yes, I've seen Hoop Dreams. Like, I'll watch any sports documentary you throw in my face. Now, actually watching, like, paying attention to football, fantasy football, college football, if it's on, I'll watch it. And probably say, ouch, with the person who just got hit. But basketball, I don't know who's wearing the rankings, but I might watch a game if it's on. Uh, well, then, uh, since you uh, profess the love for sports documentaries, I urge you and everybody out there to watch the Netflix documentary uh, that's called The um, uh, the Saint of Second Chances. It is so moving, uh, Candace. I guarantee you, you'll be just it'll just make you feel good about human beings. That's which is a hard thing for me to deal with these days. Uh, but uh, I just urge you and everybody else about Mike Vec, whose father, Bill Vec, used to own the White Sox and the trials and tribulations he went through uh, after disco demolition and with his daughter, et cetera, and so forth. I urge everybody to watch that. Since you said it, you gave me that opening. I'm going to take it. Uh, and uh, we're going to bring on Mike back. We're going to reach out. He's coming on the show soon. Uh, so I urge everybody to watch that. All right. I'll give you a choice. We'll start with national or local. Which would you prefer to? Uh, we'll go to politics. National or local? Your choice. And then I'll ask the question. National. All right. Let's start with national. Um, all right, Don. We'll start with Donald Trump. Uh, and the Republicans, as we speak, uh, will have their uh, debate, their second debate tonight. Donald Trump will not be there. Uh, he's already said he's, he's scorning. Uh, oh, man, why? Which part? <laughs> why what? Why? Why won't he be there? Well, you answer the question. Go ahead. What is he afraid of? I think I think there's lots of questions to be asked. Now, there is a question that he doesn't have anything to lose, right? He's up like 27% in a poll, and the only people that's going up behind him is Vivek, Right. But it is interesting because he does seem to be afraid of something. And what do you think that is? So what does he have to lose? What, what You answer your own question. What do you think it is that he's afraid I of? I have no clue. I think he is afraid that people will see that he is old, too. Just like he was on a stage, what, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago and didn't remember who he ran against? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bush. You got the Bushes mixed up. Got Sometimes the I get the Bushes mixed up. Mixed up instead, too. he yeah. ran against Obama. I guess everybody's Obama, huh? Like, he, you know, yeah, Biden is old, very old. Biden is feeble. Yeah, probably. But Trump is, too. There's something like 18 months apart. People forget it. Until they see Trump acting, oh, kind of see now, can't talk without a teleprompter. Why? What you afraid of? You scared somebody go see it? Uh, that is actually a valid point. I hadn't thought of that one, uh, Candace. I thought he was, when I think he's scared, I think he's he's got his criminal cases that he's dealing with. So I sometimes think the lawyers have said, don't go in front of a live mic. Because uh, the others, well, I mean, there's always a possibility that someone like Chris Christie, if you get him on stage, will challenge him directly on his various uh, indictments, at which point Donald Trump is capable of saying absolutely anything. And I wouldn't be surprised if his lawyers are saying, please, Donnie, just stay away from that mic uh, on this on this matter. So I, that, I thought that's where you were going. But since you brought up the issue of age and senility, uh, this is I was just having this conversation on a, uh, the show with Monroe Anderson. And we were talking about like the way in which Donald Trump's age issues, I got that in quote, as euphemistically as I can, and Joe Biden's age issues are dealt. And somehow or other, and help me understand this, Candace, you've been in the game a long time. Somehow or other, when Joe Biden talks and he's kind of slow, that like accentuates the notion that he's not mentally strong. When Donald Trump talks and he's just going all over the place and is completely incoherent and stumbling over his feet and mixing Jeb Bush up with George Bush and Barack Obama with Hillary Clinton, somehow or other, in the minds of the media, that's not senility. Now, why is Joe Biden's feebleness viewed as a detriment and Donald Trump's clear mental incompetence not? Because Donald Trump told you it was. 
Donald Trump told you, oh, he's so old, old Joe, slow Joe. He told you it was. He told you exactly what it was. And the media just happens to go with him. Both are too old to be running for president. And I like some of Joe Biden's policies. I like most of them. But both are too old to relate to this generation. Now, Biden is smart enough to have younger people around him with good ideas that are really pushing him more left. Trump has Rudy around him. The the Rudy, of course, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who may be even older than Trump uh, and maybe as incoherent as Trump. Are you one of those Dems who wishes that Joe Biden would not be running? I have so many mixed feelings about that because I really enjoy what he's doing, what he's doing for working class people, what is what he's doing for low wage earners, like the amount of money that he's put in childcare. And remember, we have a whole lot more to go, but the amount of money he put in childcare, I love. Like the fact that he's wiping out at least 10,000 of student loans, I would like a lot more including mine to be in that mix, but that's a path. And what other president has done it? They haven't. And yes, he promised a lot that he cannot deliver on. That's literally not him. That's Congress. So who are we holding accountable in Congress? And let's just talk about it for a minute. The congressional delegation from Illinois is fabulous. Let me say that. I love our congressional delegation. I also fully recognize that they have a collective age of about 70. That's a problem. That is not just a White House problem. It's a congressional problem. So all of these people in Congress are talking about Joe Biden is too old. Most of them probably need to look in the mirror. Mitch McConnell, I love how people are talking about Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell has literally gone blank in front of a mic three or four times now. Mm. I thought it was three, but at least, but more than once has just stopped, gone blank, has had cancer multiple times and beat it. I think he's an evil genius. I think Mitch McConnell is an evil genius, right? But it might be time to groom another evil genius, evil genius for the Republicans. Wait, time out. What's the genius part of Mitch McConnell? Oh, easy. I know the evil part, but what's the genius part? The the genius part is oh, everybody's at inauguration. Yes, we they lost the second term, but everybody's at inauguration. Great, we're gonna start planning on how we take both the House, the Senate, and the White House back now. Not not even two weeks later, not even give them this first year, not even figuring it out. I would love if the left pre-planned like that. The left, Candace, you're going to disagree with this point, but I'm going to say it anyway. Well, I'm going to leave because there's a split between lefts and liberals. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I make that point clear in the show all the time. But essentially, the Democratic Party is controlled by liberals or Dems. The Dems are, they are the absolute worst at playing uh, the long range game against Republicans. Oh, they're good at beating up the left. Uh, No question. They'll beat up the Bernie types here in the city of Chicago. They'll beat up the lefties. Uh, Mayor Rahm waging war against the left of the city of Chicago. Mayor Lori Life for picking up that. They, they're really good at, at destroying their own ranks. But when it comes to dealing with in strategic battles with Republicans, they are terrible. They're like the Chicago Bears playing the Green Bay Packers. They're clueless. And the Republicans are the Packers. Ten points ahead of them. And we all know it. And the most compelling point, and I I believe you're old enough to remember this. 2000, Dems lost the White House because of the Electoral College. At that moment, if they had a brain in their head, they would have started planning to get rid of the Electoral College. You know if it was reverse, Candace Castillo, the Republicans would be 23 years into getting rid of the Electoral College if it had gone the other way. Go. I'm going to say something that... A lot of people don't know. 
when Roe versus Wade passed, Republicans didn't have an issue with it. Republicans didn't. They were like, oh, well, okay, yeah, all right. It wasn't until now came about where they wanted to like create an amendment for women that was fought against that the Christian right and the Republicans started to come out against abortion. That was the late 70s. And you know what? Republicans stayed there. If they go back in their own history, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. Environmental stuff. Nixon would darn near be lefty for his environmental part. Nixon started the EPA. Almost every president since Reagan has tried to repeal the EPA, which was started by another Republican president. You want to know why? Going back to the first point, corporations and corporate greed and the rich right donors said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a problem. And they have stayed as climate deniers since then. I, 2000, yeah, that's a long game, but they know how to play the real long game. We have been asking for child care, for child care to be better funded since the 70s, 60s. But we keep switching like, oh, okay, we'll let it go because we need to work on this. Oh, okay, no, we need, we, we'll let it go because we got this. Oh, okay, we let it go. We can't do that. So if the plan is to stay on child care, then the plan is to stay on child care. When Mitch McConnell said, we going to take everything back. Yeah, we won the presidency that year, but didn't we lose the House and the Senate? We must, we must stay on track. And that's our catch-up game to play, even in the city of Chicago. Even in the city of Chicago. We have a chance in the first, not just year, but in the first six months, of the Johnson administration to pass one fair wage, bring Chicago home and treatment, not trauma. We do not have the time to get distracted by short-term things, which goes into what you want to talk about, the migrant crisis. I don't call it a crisis. I call it an opportunity. Okay. Uh, but we'll get, it's an opportunity uh, we are. You, you talk about being gaslit. You talk about gaslit by uh, Fox TV, viewing the uh, the uh, influx of migrants to the city as a crisis, as opposed to an opportunity, is straight up being gaslit by uh, uh, MAGA. And I have said this. I, I actually, when, when uh, your dear friend and uh, a former talk show host was a guest of mine at the uh, at the Promontory, I said it to him, and he agreed with me. It's funny how he agree with me uh, on the stage uh, and um, about how we should view it as uh, uh, an opportunity. And to me, the great missed opportunity one more time in the city of Chicago. And I've lived here since 81, Candace. I've seen it time and time again since the great Harold Washington died. This city is incapable of using its economic muscle to help black people. And when I said that to you before the show, you teased me about something. I don't know if you're going to go there on the mic. It's up to you. Uh, but I, I said, I wasn't saying this long before this other guy said it, but I've seen it year after year after year. And I have come to believe that it was intentional. I have come to believe that this was part of a larger plan to move black people out of the city of Chicago, particularly poor black people. And that's why so much our economic development program, the central economic development program in the city of Chicago that's supposed to eradicate poverty, the TIF program is largely used in well-to-do neighborhoods. Now, how could a city that is serious about helping poor black people spend most of its economic development dollars in upscale white neighborhoods? A question I've been asking for 30 freaking years, Candace Castillo, and I will still have not gotten a straight answer. Go. So I have multiple answers. And yes, you do sound like a former radio show host, podcaster, 
who is uh, is a good associate, and that's Mr. Mays Jackson, because this has been a topic on his show multiple times. I think you're absolutely right. There has been a disinformation campaign about Chicago for years, and every mayor, every single mayor since Harold Washington has played into that disinformation campaign. So let's undo some of it, right? Everybody loves to talk about how the South Side, and we're going to take the South Side because I'm from the South Side, is the most depressed area in the city of Chicago. Okay? And let's take Inglewood. Let's just take Inglewood, for example. You know what? We're not going to take Inglewood. We'll take Roseland, for example. Right? Roseland is a second... There's two wards that have Roseland in it, and that is the new 21st ward, okay, and that's the ninth ward. That is the second, those are the second and third largest wards in the city, okay? Now, if you take the 34th ward, I'm sorry, the 21st ward, it used to be the 34th ward, 21st ward, they roughly get about million to fix all the streets, all the alleys, cameras, like police cameras, if you believe in that stuff, um, alleys, clean up roads, all of that. They get roughly $1.4 million, okay? Every ward gets roughly $1.4 million, okay? no matter how much more road they actually have. So what am I saying here? Maria Haddon's war can fit into the 20th war three different times, three separate times. That's the 49th war. Can fit in the 20th ward three times. They get the same amount of money. So when she has leftover menu money, she can take that money and invest it in a park district, put it into a school, build a dog park, build another skate park. There is never money left for Alderman Ronnie Mosley. It will never be money left for him to do things like that. And then the TIF dollars. So, yeah, there may be a surplus of TIF, but the 11th Ward, the 20th Ward, and the 3rd Ward all share a TIF pot of money because of how this TIF district was formed. So you may or may not get this money depending on how much of the TIF district is in your area. So say the 11th Ward, Nicole Lee, Alderwoman Nicole Lee wants to build I don't know, an attachment to a gymnasium. And the majority of that TIF district is in her ward. She wins. Or if the majority is in 20, you know, Alderman Taylor will win. The way things are drawn. So let's go back to Roseland, right? Roseland has been characterized as one of the roughest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. You will get killed in Roseland, according to the media. Roseland probably has the second, I'm sorry, the third to fourth highest number of CTU members in the Ninth Ward in Roseland, 21-9, has a really large number of Chicago transit people, a really large number of county employees, city employees, and state employees. However, of all the parks that we have in Roseland, only one has an indoor pool. Yes, we got a beautiful track and field center that is on the edge of the 8th Ward, and it has programming. But also, we don't have a gymnastics program. We don't really have boxing programs. We don't, after school matters is housed here. But other than that, one facility in one corner of the ward, our kids have nothing to do. 
There is no skate park here. There is no um, arcade here. There is no fitness center, super ninja warriors thing here. There's nothing for our kids to do. So couple that with nothing for the kids to do, underinvestment in our parks, underinvestment in our streets, underinvestment. And this is not new. So we have so much underinvestment in our communities. What do you think is going to happen? And no jobs. Don't forget, the parents are working. A lot of them have great jobs working downtown. And a lot of them are still working two to three jobs to make ends meet and still trying to come back off the property tax stuff that Joe Berrios did to the city of Chicago, especially poor people on the south side of Chicago and the aging community. What you think will happen? Every single south side ward except for one is an aging community, and that's the third ward. Every single South Side ward is considered an aging community where we have a very high percentage of seniors that are trying to keep their homes. Well, I would just like to point out, <clears throat> I'm being very calm when I say this. Uh, that was a great riff. I appreciate that riff. I just want to point out uh, that when the city council approved over a billion dollars for the Lincoln Yards TIF, on the north side of Chicago, in an already gentrifying neighborhood. The alderman from the Ninth Ward, the alderman from Roseland, Anthony Beal, voted for that TIF. The alderman at the 21st Ward back then was your old friend Howard Brookins. He voted for that TIF. So I'm not blaming Ronnie Mosley. He was not in the city council. Okay? So I have been trying to get people in the city of Chicago to understand this very important point. That if your chief economic development fund is linked to an ability to a neighborhood's gentrification, then the gentrifying neighborhoods will always benefit. And you just pointed it out on that great riff that some of these South Side neighborhoods are older neighborhoods that don't have, to put it mildly, a lot of investment for them. So they're not going to generate a lot of TIF money. They're not going to have disposable income to invest in their communities to build up the park districts, to fix the streets, to fix the sidewalks, to fix the lamps, to bring in businesses. Everything I, that you just got saying they need, they don't have it. But as long as the aldermen from wards that are at a disadvantage in the TIF game continue to vote for a program and support a program that benefits communities other than theirs and undercuts their communities, then we will have what you just laid out. And, you know, you mentioned Mays. I love Mays Jackson as much as the next guy. I've been trying to explain TIFs to Mays for 30 years. Okay. He's always like, Ben, Walter Burnett is great at the TIF game. No, Walter is the alderman of a gentrifying ward. I would be getting that money if I were the alderman of the 27th ward. Candace Castillo would be generating that money if she were to. It's a gentrifying. It's not aldermanic genius that has led Walter Burnett to sit on one of the biggest piles of TIF cash. It's the fact that he's the alderman of a gentrifying war. This city is so twisted, Candace. Do you follow what I'm saying? We have a poverty program that benefits the rich. We put up with it year after year after year. Lori Life, it goes, I got the South by West or whatever the hell. It was some marketing plan. I always forget the name of it because of dyslexia. In that Oh, uh, yeah. I always get the, is it West first or South first? You might, a little brain is going, oh, my God, I'm going to panic here. Southwest, West, South. I don't know. Whatever it is, why do I, why should I memorize it? It's just a marketing scheme. If you're not going to change the TIF program, it's a joke that you're perpetrating on the people of the city of Chicago who are easy to fool because they don't pay attention. Go, Candace. Now, here, here's, here's my issue with Invest Southwest. And, I mean, it. If you were already, right, into construction, if you were already a developer that already had some type of dollars, then Invest Southwest was good to you, right? Then it really could have been good to you. But if you weren't, then it wasn't. Then it wasn't going to be good to you. Then it, So if you were already a person with money, then it worked. 
But if you didn't have any money, if you were just trying to be a developer, then it was never going to work for you. And to my own people, right, to black people in Chicago, look, we have to stop aspirational voting on the federal level or on the local level. Yes. Yes. I will be a millionaire someday. I will go and get a scratch off. Somebody, Santa Claus will leave me a great big old box of money like Eartha Kitt said. I will be a millionaire one day. But I'm not yet. So I vote like I'm not yet. We have to stop voting like, oh, yeah, you know, because that's going to raise my taxes. No, it's not. You don't make uh, six figures a year. It's not going to raise your taxes. No, no, you don't make seven figures a year. No, Bring Chicago Home is a great ordinance that can cut significantly homelessness into permanent supportive housing. But people are saying, well, what if I buy a house over a million dollars? Um, <laughs> You don't make $50,000 a year. Or you do make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but I bet you like not about to buy a house for a million dollars right now, or no time soon. Wait, so it, it just I like this concept: aspirational voting. Uh, take a little deep dive and explain exactly what you mean by aspirational voting. So remember when they were trying to fix the state? Fair tax, right? Uh-huh. What they found across the state, and fair tax passed in Chicago. Yes, But did. a lot of the conversation, it passed in Cook County. But a lot mm-hmm. of the conversations was, well, if I made $350,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. And they were talking to people who did not, was far from it. They may have been comfortable, but they darn sure wasn't make, making $350,000 a year. Right, right. So their aspiration was to get there, as it should be. All of our aspirations are to do better in life in one way or the other. But they were thinking about when I get there instead (laughs) of on my way there. Oh my lord, that's that's so funny! You're not a billionaire. You're not a millionaire. Stop voting like you're a millionaire. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. It's going to raise taxes. Not on you. It's like uh, uh, bringing Chicago home. Man, you talk about having dyslexia, Candace. To say, for me to remember bring Chicago home without screwing that one, I always want to go bring home Chicago. And people are like Ben. That doesn't even make any sense. Bring home Chicago. So I have to pause. Uh, but that's classic. They redid it. So it, uh, it's a progressive tax, you know? And so now I'm watching. I love it. I'm watching, you know, Crane, your good friends at Cranes and the Chicago Tribune and the Chamber of Commerce and your old friend Paul Vallis and that whole crowd. They're trying to figure out a way to turn that into something that'll scare, like, poor people, working people, middle class people, whatever you want to call them. And they're trying to figure out. They changed it so it's progressive so like it, it hits hardest at the people who, who sell their house for the most and hits the lowest at the people who sell their house for the least and they're like I, they're, I could just imagine they're like in the back room of a restaurant and they're going paul how do we do this how can we turn this into get the people so dumb in, the Here, city in chicago i'll make Go it ahead. even better for you it actually lowers some of the tax rates for the people in the middle and at the bottom but that's not being said that's been what is being said is Chicago does nothing for Chicago's own homeless population. And this mayor is not trying to do anything instead of recognizing that something is in the hopper. So people who are listening to this show, call your alderman and tell them to support Bring Chicago Home. If you are upset and saying that Chicago isn't doing anything for its own homeless population, we are and this this administration is sitting down talking to us about bring chicago home negotiating trying to get it done right the two previous administrations would not even open the door to talk to us what does that say about 
who's where and who's doing what. In March, you will see Bring Chicago Home on your ballots. But right now, it has to go through city council. So, Brett Lawson, the alderman of the 43rd Ward, who said he wouldn't vote for it, call him. Call all of these aldermen and tell them we need a solution, a permanent solution, not just shelters for our homeless population in Chicago with services. And no, I ain't buying a home for a million dollars no time soon. No, I'm not going to get a home. I think his name is, uh, uh, I want to make sure I get the name right, Bennett Lawson. Bennett, I'm sorry, Bennett Lawson. That's right, that's okay, yeah. Uh, And uh, he, he, of course, was the fellow who replaced Tom Tunney, who was the alderman of the 44th Ward, who never met a TIFF deal he didn't love. All right, uh, and uh, so uh, let's um, move on to um, this other issue I wanted to talk to you. It's going back uh, to national issue. And I just need to hear you riff on this one. So this one kind of blew my mind. Uh, so here in Chicago, we're uh, dealing with the issue. You notice I didn't call it a crisis, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't even call it an opportunity, which is what I usually call it. Uh, we're dealing with the issue of uh, people being bussed in from Texas to Chicago which I consider an opportunity. Some people consider it a crisis. We're dealing with that. Uh, There's the issue at the border where thousands and thousands of people are trying to cross uh, from Mexico into the United States. And most of these people who are trying to cross in Mexico are not themselves Mexicans. Okay, they've emerged from Mexico. They're coming up from Venezuela. They're coming from Colombia, Ecuador, et cetera, and so forth. All right, Candace Castillo knows all this stuff. All right, while that's happening, very quietly, on a story you will never see uh, <laughs> on Fox, guarantee it, you'll never see it on Fox, American women in Louisiana and Texas and other southern states where they got MAGA governors who have taken away abortion rights are traveling to Mexico, Candace Castillo, to get an abortion. We have lost our minds in this country, Okay. They've outlawed abortion, uh, by and large, in uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas. They're trying to do it in Florida. That's your guy, DeSantis, trying to do it in Florida, Florida. And so women are going to Mexico. Candace, I I can't even get the words out. I, I mean, it's utter insane. Clearly, most women in this country want abortion rights. I mean, what can the Democrats do? You're a strategist. You've been in the game a while. What can Democrats do to get the light to go on in the heads of people in this country that if you want abortion rights, you cannot vote for Republicans? Go ahead, I don't know. So here's 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 the problem, right? Women with means have always had access to abortion in America. Let me say that again so people get it. Women who can afford in lower Alabama to travel to Mexico have always been able to get an abortion. And most of those women who have who have means or who had means, not all, notice I did not say all, but many of those women who had means look nothing like me. They they don't look like me. And A lot of these states also have forced sterilization programs of black and brown women. How do we get the light bulb to go off? Hopefully the light bulb is going off with their daughters. Hopefully the light bulb is going off with their sons. Hopefully the light bulb is going off when their son's girlfriend gets pregnant at 16 and they can't afford to send her to Mexico to not carry a baby that she nor the son wanted, nor the grandparents, honestly. How do we get it to stop? I don't know. It's insane. 
It's it's really lunacy. Republicans, Kansas, nobody thought, nobody thought that Kansas would vote, vote that down. Ohio, nobody thought that Ohio would say, no, you can't change the rules, so this won't be on the ballot. Like, nobody thought those things would happen. Even in states with Republicans, Republicans are standing up and being like, eh, not really. Not really. Now, what should scare you is the amount of presidential candidates that want a national abortion ban. And I don't do this too often, but I'm going to do this, right? Shout out to Governor J.B. Pritzker. And Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton, not only is a woman's right to choose embedded in our state constitution. However, you can't ban books in the state of Illinois. You lose funding for banning books. And our our new Secretary of State, Alexa Denulius, did that also. We have to, we are a blue island for real in the state of Illinois. Well, I'm hoping that those voters in Ohio that you just alluded to that voted, I think it was like 58 percent, not to change the rules governing uh, referendums so that uh, the abortion rights referendum that's on the ballot in November uh, could pass. I'm hoping that 58 percent will remember that issue and that vote come November 2024, because if you believe in abortion rights, (laughs) <laughs> and you turn around and vote for, I don't know, who did, did Donnie Trump, DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, whoever they nominate, you're voting against abortion rights. And also shout rights. out to those striking in Ohio right now at UAW. If you believe in abortion rights, and if you believe that workers should pay be paid a fair wage, if the CEO is has gotten a forty percent increase when striking workers took a pay cut to ensure the longevity of the company, and you still vote for Trump, something is wrong. The elevator is not going all the way to the top. Something is wrong. All right, uh, that is. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Joe Biden. We did this with Miles Conflas in that interview. He showed up on the uh, the picket lines. Like never in my lifetime as a president showed up on the picket lines. So uh, he gets trashed a lot uh, in this country, but at least Biden. And you know what? I don't care uh, if he didn't. He wasn't young and energetic and forty two years old. At least he showed up on the picket line. I know a lot of young presidents, and I'm not naming names who didn't show up on any picket lines. Candace knows who I'm talking about. She's not naming names either. Uh, or right, we're going- strikes with unions that can't be formed again, Reagan. Yes. That is so true. Uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, who, by the way, is another guy. I don't think he get elected in this Republican Party. Uh, you mentioned Nixon. Uh, all right. Uh, Candace Castillo, thank you very much. I'm not going to ask you to Bears question because you already said uh, that you don't really follow sports. Every other guest has gotten the Bears question. Uh, and okay, I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Um, you know what? I'm going to not treat you differently. Okay. So here you go. Don't treat you differently. All right. Everybody else got the question. Uh, Candace Casillo is going to get it. All right. I'll set it up for you. So your beloved Chicago bears, uh, are right now ranked as the worst team in football. The team that is just ahead of them in the badness ranking. So it depends how you're looking at things, but they're really, really bad, but not quite as bad as the Bears or the Denver Broncos. Guess what, Candace Castillo? On Sunday, the Bears will play the Denver Broncos. The two worst teams in football will play. One team, the the, the Broncos just gave up 70 points in a game. The Bears probably would have given up 60 points to the Kansas City Chiefs, but Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, felt sorry for the Bears, so he pulled Patrick Mahomes. Make a prediction in your humble prediction. Which terrible team will prevail and actually win on Sunday? The Bears or the Broncos? Predict the winning team. Go. Alabama A&M University will prevail over Tuskegee University in this weekend's homecoming at Normals Hill and Lewis Crew Stadium. 
That is what we call in the business a duck and a dodge. J.B. Pritzker, are you listening? That's how you do a duck and a dodge, okay? <laughs> Tony Preckwinkle, you listening? That's how you do a duck and a dodge. Actually, that's to- straight up Tony. No matter what question you ask Tony Preckwinkle, she'll answer the one she wants to answer. Uh, and uh, she's pretty good at it. All right, Candace, I'm not going to put you in the spot any anymore about the Bears, uh, but it is pretty funny. The two worst teams in the league are playing each other. Thank you so I much, Candace Castillo. <laughs> yeah, you like, so, no, you're a Chicago. You don't wish the Denver Broncos luck. I'm a Saints fan. Oh, for crying. <laughs> I, I cannot stand them. All right. Not, enough. Neither said nothing. I'm a Bears fan. I trash them. I reserve the right to trash the Bears because I've been a diehard, diehard Bear fan since 19. Get ready for this, Candace Castillo. 1966. You weren't even born then. All right. So I wasn't even thought of, but I will tell you this. <laughs> I think Bears fans have brought this bad omen unto themselves. I have never seen a fan base that burns their jersey every Tuesday <laughs> after Sunday and Monday. Go buy and go back out by another one on Thursday and say bear down after they talk crap about the Bears all week. You want to know why the Saints have good mojo? Because even if they lose, little old ladies say bless you boys. They never talk them down. They never burn their jersey. They go out with pride. We need to start speaking life into the Chicago Bears. I will just correct you a little bit. There was a time when the Saints were so bad, they called themselves the Aints. And yeah, were and they, they were put paper, paper bags, bags over their head. head. Yeah. So it wasn't always that way in New Orleans. All right, Candace Castillo, you, you can't slip a sports question behind, by me. All right. I'm a sports junkie. I got to bring Greg Kelly on. We'll talk some sports with Greg Kelly. All right, we Kelly, do. don't duck and dodge. Uh, We'll talk about football all day with Greg. All right, and Candace, you know who you need to bring on? Erica Bland. Erica Bland is a diehard Bengals fan so bad <laughs> that she will cater a table oh, that has bad. all orange and black on it. Oh, who they? Is that, that's what they say. Uh, I will happily bring her on. We'll talk politics, politics, and at the end, we'll do a little sports. Bears uh, versus Bengals. Oh, I cannot stand the Bengals either. All right, Candace. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. I don't like other teams. I'm not going to root. I got friends. Oh, I like Denver. Uh, no, I like the Patriots. No, I'm a Bears fan. Uh, and I reserve the right to trash them because I've been a Bears fan forever. Candace Castillo, thank you very, very much for coming on my humble podcast. You always come on when I ask, and I appreciate that tremendously. No problem. Talk to you soon, Ben. All right. That's the great Candace Castillo. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 